everyone. Thank you for coming to the Asian Resource Center, uh, one of the first programs, uh, uh, Understanding Your Long-Term Care Options. And today we are privileged to have Mrs. Shan Wentworth from ServiceLink. She's a, a social worker and she's been offering this class for many times now, three years. And I'm sh I hope you'll get a lot of information today. And there are free information that you can take home. So please do so. And, it, and one thing that I should let you know, uh, today we are uh, video recording this class and also um, video um, broadcasting live. So some people are watching this class. Um, the, the image that they will see is like this. So I hope you don't mind. But, uh, <laughs> and if you mind, you can just turn your chair <laughs> So and if you're interested in visiting the uh, video archive or to see the lecture again, there is a link to go. So, and let me know and I'll let you the link. Let you know the link. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Some people have traveled great distance to be here. I'm pleased. I'm Sean Wentworth. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm a long-term support counselor with ServiceLink. Amazingly enough, I've done this for three years, and I've been a support counselor for three years. Service links are available in every county, at least one office in every county in the state of New Hampshire. So no matter what county you're from, you do have a service link in your area. She didn't give us the directions to the bathroom. Is everybody familiar? You go out the door and down the hall and towards like going to the parking lot. Men are on the left, women are on the right. I like to do a more interactive group. I am not a lecturer. What does ServiceLink do? ServiceLink is an aging and disability resource center and they do everything. <laughs> Basically, if you're looking for services or trying to find out about Medicare or trying to find out about long-term care or trying to locate something, we have a large database. It's available to you online as well, just servicelink.com. I think it's .com, now that I say that. Um, I'll try to check. And so every year during open enrollment for Medicare, when people can change their Part D plan to make sure they're getting the best bang for their buck and the most medications they can covered, ServiceLink kind of doesn't do much else from October 15th to December 7th. And that's the time of the year when people can come in and change their plan. Otherwise, if it's January 3rd, 
you're going to wait until next October to change it. Um, and we have Mary Beth Donahue. Mary Beth is a Medicare SHIP certified, state health insurance program certified counselor, and she's the head of the SHIP um, persons in Grafton County. And we also have Tammy, who's SHIP certified, to help people who are new to Medicare, just beginning to get on to Medicare, thinking about what, how they're going to retire. Two years ago, I had Mary Beth figure out if I should stay on my company's insurance, if I would switch to Medicare had I been 65 that year, just to find out. So does that help? We have brochures up here that show you. Thank you. Is this something where you can have like a private appointment with somebody? Yes. Okay. Yes. And we'll talk about a lot of things today, and I hope to be interactive, as interactive as you will be. Um, but sometimes there's things that you just don't want to talk about in front of a group, and it's okay to call. I have cards up here um, to call and schedule an appointment. If you're not in Grafton County, um, I will give you the name of the long-term support counselor in the county in which you live and their phone number. And if you're in southern Grafton County around the Lebanon area, Jane Conklin is a long-term support counselor in Lebanon. And I have a soft voice, so if you can't hear me, let me know. Okay. For those of you who live in Vermont, I know relatively nothing about Vermont, but we do have this folder over here. Um, and in Vermont, they're called the Area Agencies on Aging. And this gives you the 800 number to contact. Now, I don't know if that works the same in Vermont as it does in New Hampshire. We have an 866 number. If you call from a local landline, it will connect you with the service link in your area. If you call from a cell phone, it'll connect you with whatever service link they want to. <laughs> so if you call and tell them where you're from, they can give you the name. And there's plenty of these over there for people to take with them. I'm assuming that aging is the same whether you live in New Hampshire or Vermont, so. <laughs> Just thinking. So I'd like to start out kind of gently and, and we'll go where you want to go. Every one of these, if you were to view all three years, have been different because the audience has been different and meeting your needs is why I'm here today. So in Littleton, New Hampshire, we have a caregiver support group that meets on the first Tuesday of the month from 9.30 to 11 at the River Glen home, which is a assisted living, which happens to be right beside the senior center, so it's a perfect location. Jane Conklin holds a caregiver support meeting in Lebanon, and it was a mystery to everyone I talked to today as to when she does that. I do know it's on a Wednesday, but I don't know which Wednesday of the month it is. So if you want Jane's number, I can give that to you after, or 448-1558, and they're in the phone book. Caregivers, I just have to put this blurb in to begin with, have to take care of themselves. So I don't know if we have any caregivers in the room, and everyone in the room may become a caregiver at some point, but it is the caregiver's health that suffers because they have the constant chronic worry about their care recipient. They go to the beauty parlor and they're wondering, they're worrying. They go downstairs to do the laundry, go out to mow the lawn, same thing. My girlfriend lost her husband one day when she mowed the lawn. He used to just walk the side of the lawn with her and she got so she didn't pay much attention to him. He had Alzheimer's 
and she was mowing along and she looked over and there was no husband. <laughs> so it's constant and chronic. Caregiver support is a wonderful thing to reach out to. Most caregivers go, oh, I don't need that, but they do. There's also a course, uh, Powerful Tools for Caregiving, that's given around the state, which is a caregiver's course. It's a six-week course, and it meets for three hours a week. And it just helps people become aware of self-care, of how to keep themselves healthy so they can provide that care. The Lebanon and Grafton, um, the Grafton County Service Links also do um, some lending of devices that help people with who need help with hearing, help with vision. Um, they also are starting a larger lending program. So we're starting off right and early. So I want you to think for a minute about yourself, about yourself and your aging process. And we're going to do a little exercise called, what's your name? My name is Muriel. Muriel in the middle. <laughs> you will be in the middle of your bullseye that you will make on your brightly colored paper so you don't lose it. And if you run out. How did I get in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone need a pen? Something to lean on? Try to remember to be a little more assertive with my voice. Thank you. Oh, you have something to lean on? Oh, you do. Okay. This is his. We will make sure that you I get one. I don't want to do both. Because you know, we never age alone. Got favorite colors? make a bullseye and I want at least four rings. The center circle is your name. That's why I don't draw them for you. I can't draw a bullseye. <laughs> I'm not doing so good <laughs> Now your name is in the middle, so that's why it's Muriel in the middle, Sean in the middle. And I want you to think for just a minute about who your immediate helpers are. Family, friends. And I want you to put them in the first ring outside of your name.
I do this with almost every person I meet with to discuss long-term care because it makes us aware of the supports that are natural supports already in place, family, friends, neighbors. Now in the next ring outside, if everybody's completed that one, I want you to put more formal but not paid supports. So it might be um, a club, an organization, a church, something that's a little more formal, but probably if you ask for a ride to the doctors from someone at your church, they wouldn't charge you. You might want to give them money, but they wouldn't charge you. And in the next ring, I'd like you to just think about paid resources. Pardon? There's supposed to be four or just any number on that ring. Any, whatever you have. Some people have one, some people have none, some people have a loaded ring. I want you to think about paid resources that would be available that you are aware of today. It's almost like a pretest. but I'm not going to collect them. And on the outside of that ring is places other than your own home where people age sometimes. The current trend is people aging in their own home, aging at home. And that's the trend that's being supported, thankfully, <laughs> by the state and federal government because most of the people I talk to want to age in their own home. What was that last, this last one? The last ring is places where people go to age, oh, go to other than their own home. We're going to assume those first rings are all in your own home. So the first ring outside was informal supports, families, friends. The next ring is more formal but unpaid supports. Organizations, clubs, churches. The next ring is paid supports that you're aware of today. And the outside ring is places people go to age besides their own home. So notice it's the furthest away from me. I'm in the middle, and that's the furthest away from me. So when my children say, Mom, you're going, I'm going to go, that's further away. <laughs> you can do this first. <laughs> so we're thinking about aging. And feel free to raise your hand at any time. And we're going to have that conversation. And where does that conversation start? Yourselves. With yourselves, absolutely. It starts with you in the middle because, first of all, there comes a point in time where we realize that we are aging. Before that, we've been in denial. <laughs> because when do we start aging? When we're born. When we're born. That's right. When what? When we're born, we start aging. So, now we're accepting it, 
that's us in the middle, and we're beginning to think about it. So who would the next conversation be with? The next ring. The Part next ring. Partner. Your partner should hopefully be in the next ring. <laughs> Friends, family. <laughs> um, so that's where the conversation starts. And I have this book, and many of you may have seen this, starting the conversation. This is not just about palliative care and what you wish for end of life. This is about how you're getting there. You want to start that conversation. And I hold people who are aging responsible for starting the conversation. Because generally, there are some exceptions, your children don't want to start it with you. Because while we're in denial, they're right in the same boat with us. Really? Yeah. Oftentimes, they're thinking, my parents are healthy. My parents are do good. I don't, you know, and particularly distant children. So we have to start that conversation with them. Now, let's talk about distant children for a minute. I have families who have children literally on the four corners of the earth. How do you have a conversation with four or more children who are thousands of miles away from you? So your choice, but you can start with a note or a letter or an appointment to have a serious conversation on the phone. When I have a parent sitting in New Hampshire and their caregivers are in California, Arizona, Nevada, and Indiana, I suggest a conference call. Then everybody hears the same thing at the same time, the same way. And if somebody misunderstands what they're hearing, clarification can happen immediately. Nobody walks away with preconceived ideas. And believe it, I think we all have our own agendas. We have our agenda. I want to age in place. I don't really want my life to change at all. <laughs> and my children have theirs. Let's just keep her quiet. <laughs> so it's good to have that conversation on the phone. And I recommend that they happen not just once, but regularly. One of the things that I hear often is, my mom, and this is from the one in California, my mom's not that bad. I talk to her every week on the phone for 15 minutes. Okay, how's her personal care? Well, I don't ask her that. How's her house kept? Is it fall, risky for fall? How is she really feeling? Emotionally, is she depressed? And you just can't get that sense in a 15-minute phone call. But you can get that sense in a prolonged call with more people on the line because it takes longer. And if there's going to be confusion or word search or memory loss, it will happen on the call. And everyone will hear it and be able to say, what can we do to help mom or dad, whoever the person is. So having that conversation and starting that conversation with your children or caregivers or nieces or nephews or neighbor. I'm thinking of a person who has 
no contact with relatives, has one caregiving person and one neighbor that keeps an eye. Having that conversation. What, what, and I say to my clients, who's your emergency response person? If I walked in here and you were on the floor after I dialed 911, who would I call? And how would I know to call them? So that brings me past what we were going to talk about next, but I am going to suggest that everyone, if you have not yet done an advanced care directive that states what you want and who you want to do it, make sure that you do get that done. When you have your advanced directive written, make sure you give a copy to your doctor. Every one of your children, friendly or not. And there's two um, care providers. Because if one's not available, if you name your oldest son and he's not available, who, the second person takes over. So there's two. I also, when I do these with people, make a copy for their, their primary care, the hospital to which they are most likely to be transported in an emergency, which is the, most, the closest in proximity, and the hospital to which they are most likely to be transferred to. I had a gentleman who went in, into the ambulance, got to one hospital, and they said, if you've got advanced directors, you have to do these. What do you want? Your sign here, and who's your care provider? <laughs> He didn't even know what he'd said yet, let alone who. So they said, this guy, you know him? <laughs> that happened at a hospital. He was transferred, and what do you think happened at the next hospital? Same thing. Yes, it did. When he got back, he called me and said, I need to do a real set. <laughs> mm -hmm. I need to know where I'm going and who's going to call the shots. Is there someone to help when fill that out? Any service link person can help you fill it out. Long-term support counselor can help you fill it out. Are you a Vermonter? Um, no. Okay. Because Vermont has little meetings to start the conversation, and they make them available. They have people there. You do not have to have it notarized. It can be two witnesses, not family members. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that can be done at one of the offices. Uh, free at uh, DHMC. Definitely. All the social work department will do advanced directives. Yep. You, you mentioned some, somebody else. You said service like and a long... Long-term care support counselor. That's what I am. Oh, and where? how does one find someone like you? So service link is listed in the phone service book. Oh, at service link. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know there was such a lady or gentleman. You know, they say we don't provide any services for an aging and disability resource center, but I consider long-term support care planning a service. Yeah. Now it's official. <laughs> so as we go down the trail of aging, we're aging pretty well. We're looking at Medicare, we get on to Medicare, we get on to supplemental programs, Part D, we're going down the path. Most people now have a primary care physician. Is there anyone in the room who does not? Okay. You may want to think about that. Well, I just moved here, that's why I have to go. You're forgiven. 
<laughs> um, because you want someone who knows you pretty well. And they cannot be your uh, durable medical power of attorney, but they want a copy of it and to know who is. And the reason why you want someone who knows you is because planning down the road is just that. It's a path. It's a journey. So we're all going to be having little hiccups and bumps along the way, and sometimes it's going to take a sharp turn and we're not going to know where, how to get back on the path we were on. So we want someone who is there to help us through that. And a primary care physician can be the, the pivot if there's specialists and all kinds of treatments going on. That center of information always has a really good idea of exactly where you're at. And will often ask you what you want. And they've come out with a new form, and I'm waiting to be trained on Pulse. It's a pre-DNR form, so that if you have serious medical issues, you get to think over what you would want today for treatment if you were taken to the emergency room. And that's a nice step to have because you make it out, your doctor reads it, you discuss it, and he signs it. When the doctor signs it, it becomes <coughs> a doctor's order, right? So when you show up at the emergency room with this doctor's order all set up, that becomes their guideline for how you receive treatment. What did you call that? It's a pulse. P-O-L-S-T and don't ask me what it stands for. Patient something. You what? <laughs> P-O-L-S-T, I believe. The pre-DNR. It's a pre-DNR. Yep. It's a it's what how you would want to be treated if you were not at the <laughs> stage where you didn't want to be treated. So we're walking down that road, and can anybody think of a hiccup that could come along, or a bump in the road, or? Your caregiver who's helping you gets sick, say your yes. spouse. Right. That is a big bump in the road. And what do you do then? And that's. When you can come back to your bullseye and you can modify this bullseye, you can redo it anytime you want to, but when the emotional onset of my caregiver is like, what am I going to do now, is with you, you're not going to think about the things that you're going to think about sitting here calmly today, writing, and perhaps going over it again later and modifying it. Because you want to have a second behind that person. So, in our bullseye, the next layer out would be an organization or a church or a club, someone that you know that you're with. It could be a neighbor. So that's a, a big hiccup. And oftentimes that is when the care recipient ends up being put in a respite situation either in an assisted living or a nursing home, <coughs> until the caregiver can get back on their feet, if they can. And I'll tell you what, I am a long-term support. Hear that word? Support counselor. 
and people still think I'm coming to visit to take them to a nursing home. <laughs> no one can force anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Your family can put pressure on you. The doctor can say you can't go home unless, but legally, no one can force you to do anything you don't want to do. So when we're discharge planning, we think about safety. How safe, is this a safe discharge? Can this patient be safe at home? And thankfully, there are supports in the neighborhood, in, in the community now that can help. So we're out to the family supports, now we're out to the clubs, and now we're going to talk a little bit about um, more formal supports, paid supports. So let's see, what did we come up with? Anybody want to call one out? Primary doctor. VNA. VNA, uh, Visiting Nurse Association, or Home Health. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? There's a myriad of okay. agencies that provide services for, for a fee, but they provide the services. So that's a good list to have as you formalize your bullseye. Um, service links generally have a private pay caregiver list. They do not in any way interview, vet, cr criminal records check any of the people on the list, but the people fill out a form, file it with BEAS. BEAS looks to see if they're clean as far as they're concerned, and they're on the list. And the list that we have, we have two, one, well, we actually have three, one for the Lebanon area, one for Plymouth, and one for Littleton. That list has been, most of those people have been on the list since I've been here, three years. I've never heard of a complaint. One gentleman I sat with, I recommended the list to, and um, I said, if you hire a home caregiver, you need to do criminal record check, you know. And he said, um, I hired a criminal. <laughs> That's what I did. <gasps> You're kidding me. He said, no, he's on probation. I knew he would have to be good for a year. <laughs> <laughs> So everyone has their own way of doing business. What else did we come up with? Anything besides the VNA? The this okay, so the agencies, those are paid. And the progression of things is we age in our own home until we absolutely can't. And when when we've gone through these agencies and we need 24-hour support, then we're looking at an assisted living, and then the last stop can be a nursing home. <clears throat> How many people have heard of hospice? Okay. How many people have heard of palliative care? Okay. So as we age and we get down that road, we are doing palliative care. We're exercising. We're eating healthier. I had a gentleman tell me the other day, he's 62. He actually drank a smoothie. He was like disgusted. <laughs> but he's trying to take better care of himself because his body's not going to last as long as he was hoping. And then we get out to 
the process of leaving the earth. And today I brought um, what is hospice and palliative care? And I also brought, and can't seem to find, the um, Turning Leaf Home Funeral Card. Home funerals. We had her come talk to the support group, um, and it was just so interesting. And she covers both sides, the home and the not home funeral. But it was interesting, so her cards are up there as well. As a country, I believe we don't talk enough about death used to be that your loved one stayed in your home with you for three days and then maybe only went 50 yards across the <laughs> across the green lawn and now they don't but outside of your bullseye I want you to write one word that tells you what your wishes are that triggers your thoughts for what your wishes are End of for end of after you die. Yep. Like cremation or whatever you want. This is after you die. Yeah, they generally don't do that before. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm teasing you. But you know what? The cycle of life begins at conception, I believe and ends when we're in our final resting place. And we need to think it all the way through. Because I oftentimes, my nephew said, I don't care what my mother wants. <laughs> I'm gonna make her hang around as long as I possibly can. And she wants nothing. She's had a COPD diagnosis for 15 years. She's doing relatively well for 15 years out. But she doesn't want to be strung along or on artificial respiration or any of that stuff. And that's what she has in her advanced care directives. And my nephew says, oh, and guess who her durable power of medical attorney yeah. is? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. His brother's the second, but they take, it's the first. So it's interesting. He knows and he won't follow it. But there are so many people out there who don't know what their mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandfather wants. So it's important to have that written as well. It doesn't have to be in a formal form, but somebody needs to know what you want. And is anybody feeling sad or shaky? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, this is tough stuff. I want to acknowledge that. This is hard to think about, hard to talk about. And I think I do it so much that it's been normalized for me. But I could tell you stories. Yeah, I started talking about it a long time ago, but hospice is now recording um, the end of your life. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, you're, you know, and I don't know how a lot of people feel about that. But and that's one thing that they're doing. Are you talking about video recording? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it was in the hmm. paper. But if you want it. If, if you, you want, want it. it. Yeah. yeah. So there is something you want to be sure to put in your right. wishes. <laughs> I don't want it. I really don't want to be a movie star as I'm leaving. <laughs> so 
having the conversations. So let's talk about finances. It seems like the elephant in the room. I work with people from um, both ends of the spectrum, from very wealthy to not having a penny to their name. And one of the things I hear most often is, I never thought I would be here. I really thought I had prepared, and they had. Mm -hmm. So 40 years ago, it wasn't what it is now for costs, and things go quicker. So it's important to know that there's a hierarchy. So we're going to take Johnny. I hope there's not one in the room. <laughs> and Johnny has retired a very wealthy man. And he's single. He's independent. He travels. And he has begun to have some illnesses and surgeries and health issues. And he's looked around and found a nephew that takes, can take care of him, be his durable medical power of attorney, and kind of be his caregiver in that Johnny will help to make sure there's enough people around to take care. But over the period of the five or six years that he has been ill, and his world has gotten smaller, there's no trips to Europe anymore, there's no trips across America anymore, he's now in his home, on his couch, or in his bed, the cost to take care of him has gotten out of, well, I don't want to say out of control because it just has cost more than he had planned on. At the level of $2,500 in assets, and that word assets can be teased out to a lot of things, but it generally includes checking savings, um, cash value of life insurances, and one of the things that people can do to remove that asset from their plate is do an uh, agreement with the funeral parlor. So they have an irrevocable agreement with the funeral parlor for what they want, and they pick that, and that takes that off the plate. In husband and wives only, Assets can be transferred between the two to impoverish the person who needs the assistance. And there are caps and all kinds of, you know, if your house is worth over $550,000 or if it's, I think that's the number, I'm not positive. Um, then there's a program that is a long-term care Medicaid program called Choices for Independence. And the Choices program once you meet the financial criteria, $2,500 or less in assets in your name, not including house and car, and you make less than $2,163 a month, but that's not a showstopper, and you need help with two or more of your daily living skills, bathing, dressing, grooming, meal preparation, med management, toileting, transferring, you may qualify for a program to come and provide services for you in your home, which also takes some of the burden off the caregiver. There is another program I would like to tell you about, and it's new, and we're just in the last year of the trial, 
and it's the Veterans Independence Program. Anyone who has been a veteran, and, and I don't, so the definition of that is that they served one day during wartime, um, can apply through the VA to get Veterans Independence benefits. <coughs> and the purposes, and that's an entitlement benefit. The purpose of these programs is to help people be able to age in their own home the way they want to. But we all know that on every coin there's two sides, and the other side of this is that they can actually provide those services to, to three <coughs> veterans for what it would cost for one veteran to be in a facility. I have a question about that when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, great. Thank you. You say one day during a war period. Mm -hmm. Do you have to have been in that war? Could you be assigned to another part of the world? That, that still qualifies. That's my understanding. Mm -hmm. And is there an asset or income limit? Not that I know of. Oh. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sure. Does it have to be a declared war? I imagine. Well, Vietnam counts. Yeah. Was it ever declared war? No. <laughs> so, Vietnam veterans are eligible. How would you apply for something like that? Would you have to go to the VA? If you have to be registered with the VA, so that's the first step you would need to take. And then from there, you let the VA know that that's what you're looking for. And actually, um, referrals can go both ways. I just gave my first referral over to the VA um, a couple of days ago. But generally, the VA is constantly screening and watching and all the referrals that I've gotten previous came from the VA, my way. Can a spouse of a, of a veteran who passes away qualify? I don't know if they qualify for that, but there is widow's benefits. Widow's benefits. Mm -hmm. okay. So is this program so, somewhat similar to the choices for independence? I mean, the same general idea? It is similar, and you, I, mm -hmm. I believe you can't do both. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's sort of its goal is the same. The goal is the same, but this is a veterans directed program. So the veteran gets, we do an assessment, and according to their needs, there's a tier of um, payment from the VA that goes to a company who disperses the money at the veterans direction. And then we make out a veterans plan and try to help them look at the whole bigger picture because what's the one thing I hear from a veteran? Do I have any veterans in the room? What would be the one thing I would hear from a veteran if I'm offering to give him services? You won't want it done by them? What's it going to cost? Nope. I, someone needs it more than me. Mm -hmm. I have a veteran who said, I'm not spending one dollar more than I have to. I said, you don't need to. You know, spend what you want. In six months, what's left over goes back to the VA to spend on somebody else. But spend what you want, but get what you need. So that's a brand new offering this year. And it's just begun to open up to the entire state, every county. The contiguous counties work with White River and then most of the other counties work with 
um, Manchester. How, however, there's been some discussion about people who go to Massachusetts to get their services and how that works. Well, I guess it goes according to where they live, not where they get their services. Your comment that you just made is about the Veterans Independence Benefit? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be a nationwide program? It wouldn't be by state, would it? They haven't been able to, they didn't bring it out nationwide. I don't know, oh. federal contracts, okay. federal government, what they do is put it out for bid and they do a trial period and it was three years for this. Vermont started the year before we did, New Hampshire started the next year. Eight states were selected to do the trial. Then based on those outcomes and what they learned from that practice for three years, then it's expected to go nationwide. Is the choices for independence a federal program? It's a state program. And is it, does it, uh, I'm from Vermont, so I'm wondering, if, okay, that piece of paper that you're going to write, that would, the place you can to start. Call, yeah. And that's the place to start. They would know okay. about long-term care in Vermont. All right. I'd like to say yes, but I honestly don't know. Sure. No, I'll make a call. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I would like to say yes because it appears that California, Arizona, Nevada are all doing this and, and the um, impetus to do this has come down from the federal government mm -hmm. and some of the funding to get things started. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden somebody looked up and went, what is that white wall of people? <laughs> <laughs> Their hair is all white. <laughs> How are we going to take care of them? Yes. Going back to long-term care Medicaid, mm -hmm. I applied to an insurance company to get long-term care mm -hmm. insurance. Mm -hmm. I was turned down because I have some, I have arthritis. Take medicine. So, how do they determine, not saying I'm going to go tomorrow, but how do, you de how do they determine the long-term care Medicaid? They determine that through two things, pre-screening, which is what I do when we do the talk and et cetera, and make people aware of that they need to require, require help with two or more of their ADLs. Basically, the CFI program came out to stop people from rolling into a nursing home at that stage. It would prolong it a little bit. Um, and then there's a RN assigned to do a medical uh, evaluation and assessment. It's a paper evaluation. And the needs of the potential patient are assessed through that assessment. And medical records. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I had to send permission for them to look at my records. Yes. Yep, you do. A release. But that's a blessing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> HIPAA is a blessing, folks. Oh, I know. I'm a retired army. I think we have more than one in the room. <laughs> so I had a woman who was running out of money and applied for the widow's benefits through the VA and that process takes about a year. So I've had people who've gone through faster, we don't know why, <laughs> but it seems to take about a year. 
Um, and she was running out of money. And she, I said to her, when you come down to where you're close to 2500 but not yet, only one month left to pay for the assisted living you're in, we will apply for CFI so that she could know that she was afraid somebody was just going to stack her stuff in her lap and wheel her out onto the street. What's you know? What did you say she would apply for? CFI. What is that? The Choices for Independence program. Oh, Choices. Okay. Yeah. And there's a flyer up there on CFI. And you said that was not in every state? That, I don't know about that. I assume that it is in every state, but I, and it may not look the same in every state because one thing I learned working as a government contractor was the federal government never dictates to the states. They say you have to meet this guideline, but how people meet it is up to the states. So programs never look the same across the board in America, except for Medicare. So there, there are various, I don't know what to call them, rest stops along the trail for people to say, wait, let's reassess, where are we at, what do I need, and your needs will be met one way or the other. I want to assure people because you have enough to worry about relationships and health and work and, or not work or retirement or so let's talk about some questions thanks I, I have a bunch of questions but I'll start with one um, so long-term care insurance um, and I'm here primarily for my mother thinking about my mother who's in New York um, that's something she got a long time ago, mm -hmm. know, sort of before it was, as uh, before these issues were discussed and all mm -hmm. of that. And so I'm looking at the, the policy, and I, um, who can I take that to to try to understand it? Because some of the terminology was different. And I'm not quite sure what the support is for. If it's only for in her home, or if it might help with assisted living when she gets to that point. Do you know like what kind of? So I this mean, is my here. experience. This is where this comes from. Mm -hmm. If you, if the company is still viable and you can call the company and talk to them and a tell them what you're looking for, an explanation of what it will cover, and I recommend for anyone who has long-term care, look at it early. Um, we like to think long-term care is going to be the Medicare of aging, but it is not. I've had people who've had pretty good programs, and I've had people who've been shocked at the program they got. And some people get them as a part of their retirement package. They're in that insurance plan. Um, and there's each one seems to be different. I don't know that I've ever seen any two alike. And they can provide lots of stuff or no stuff. One that I met with a woman about the other day is a five-year program. But if there's 18 months taken, and five years later they start over, they start over on the 19th month. So it's a max, it's maxed out at five years. Some people have rolling five years. So if you take 18 months and a period of time goes by and you start over, you start over at day one. So there, there's lots of little nuances. Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say, there are attorneys that specialize in geriatric care 
and all the legalese uh, that's in those care packages, they can decipher that and cut through a lot of the red tape because you're right, the language in it can be uh, overwhelming, and just the terminology. So that's okay. one recommendation. Yeah. And I'm not an attorney, so. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, maybe this has already started, but were you planning to talk about private long-term care options, and is it a good idea, the expense of it? As an insurance? Yeah. yeah. Is that part of your program? Because if not, I have a few questions. Yeah. But I'd prefer to listen. No, I don't intend to talk about that because I'm really not an expert on it. Someone called me recently and asked me to come and speak on that, and I said, I can't do that. I would call the insurance commissioner and get a group together and have somebody come and talk about it. Yeah. Because it, it is a good idea. It is expensive. Right. But people who have a good package are very pleased that that's what they have. This person with the five years um, also is married to a veteran who's eligible for VIP. And so what the family's trying to do is push out those five years so they don't use that until they have had VIP in the home and then they need more services. So they're kind of piecing it together to to make a quilt that will keep someone going for as long as they can. So I'm going to go. You were first you, um, in his because I. That's one why we came to to hear about long-term care insurance options and where to start. Like where does maybe someone in this room like I don't. We don't even know where to start to what insurance company or I mean. I wouldn't even know who to go to. Would that be something that Jane um, Conklin would I know? I sent for all of them. But where do you, like, who do you like, talk to who, How did you, on the internet? Or yeah, you, where do you get them all the time in the mail? You know, that's for sure. cards and <coughs> for them. I would like start with the insurance. AARP or triple, I mean, maybe. I would they, start with the insurance commission and ask them who is offering long-term care insurance in your state. What is the, what is the insurance commission? Is yeah, that what? a government agency? Yes. Is it, oh, yeah. okay. Do you have like a website or phone number? If you, well, in New Hampshire, if you go to newhampshire.gov, yeah. and then you can Google insurance commission. In Vermont, I imagine it's vermont.gov. That seems to be pretty much the same across the state. Because it sounds like this lady who has arthritis tried to get I don't know what she is now, but I tried to get it yes I and, did. It, and couldn't so if you are in good health and you're younger and it's That's cheaper it would have been if I had done it yeah when I was, uh, I was younger but then you have to pay it for right years yeah. but it's less money if you start young <laughs> well it's but less per month but it, in the long haul yeah. if you start younger it may be <laughs> Let's have one person talk at a time because that's how we're going to get the most knowledge. <laughs> you, you have to make sure the company is going to still exist when you need it. And I don't know who, you got things in the mail, were they all people who were eligible to sell in New Hampshire? Or did you? Yeah. Yeah. They were. And also, I didn't have, I didn't have to, um, 
list any uh, any medi medical problems. I mean, I had eight or nine, and um, you know, you didn't have to expose your um, medical problems. And the other thing is, um, you have to. Um, um, I compared, you know, what it would cost me at six at sixty, um, and if. A lot of them. Every five years, the premium would go up. Mm -hmm. I got one that stayed the same Lock. the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, so you can, you know, that's one thing. I so you did purchase one. I did purchase one. And you didn't have to tell them your medical. No, there's lots of them out there that you don't have to tell them your medical history at all. Mm -hmm. No, they don't ask at all. Hmm. And you can go up to fifty thousand or five hundred thousand, whatever you want. So are you talking life insurance or long-term care? Long-term care. Okay. That sounds like life insurance. Well, it's yeah. got a financial cap on it instead yeah. of a length of time. Right. There was someone else over here, and then I'll get to you. Yes. Um, I'm wondering if there, if there is in this country um, a way to get um, services and help like under a time bank model. They, they have this in Japan where uh, like if your parents are not nearby, you can join, uh, well, kind of like a time bank mm -hmm. where you put in a certain number of hours helping uh, an elderly person who needs assistance. And then those hours are logged in mm -hmm. for help with your parents or, or you. Mm -hmm. um, I've not so, heard of so that. So far, we, we've all been talking about uh, kind of going through uh, institutional solutions, mm -hmm. and th that's not a bad thing, but I, I'm wondering if much of the care could be done by um, neighbors, you know, creating a little part-time job for them to do some of the you know, not the specifically medical care, but you know, helping the home. That mm -hmm. kind of shopping. Thing. shopping. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Getting, getting, kinds kinds of of things like getting that. wood from the barn. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yep. I have not heard of that. Are you going to try to start that? <laughs> well, it's a thought. <laughs> are you in New Hampshire or Vermont? <laughs> and how many people are moving? <laughs> um, my wife and I have done some investigating recently on long-term care options, and it would be good, we've talked with private insurance, insurers, we're just starting, I, I don't know everything yet, um, but it would be good to have some neutral presentation about, there, there are like, and some people here have referred to it, maybe six to eight different types of long-term care mm -hmm. offerings. And, you know, what are the plus and minuses of them from a neutral standpoint? And then, you know, even get to getting to the question of should you do it, uh, because it costs a lot each month. It does, and I've, I've listened to Mary Beth help people with Medicare, and people who are going, should I get the Medigap supplemental, you know? And she says, if it doesn't cause you not to eat, keep your house warm, you know, pay your taxes, mortgage, it's advisable. And I'm thinking maybe long-term care is going to come down to that same definition. In, in our meetings, I, I just wrote down three things we've learned very top level. 
as guiding, maybe it's useful, is that the average long-term care nursing home cost per year in the United States is $6,000 per month. And it varies by state, but that's the average. And the average stay is two to three and a half years. That's the average stay in nursing I think well, we're going to see that one drop. Yeah, and then 70% of people over 65 will need nursing home care. Now, I'm this lady next to me asked, is that assisted living or nursing home? So I'm not clear on that whether those numbers are for so in New Hampshire when you enter into the choices for independence home and community-based care program that is like the gateway because then you can transfer to an assisted living if you get to that level of care need and then you can transfer again if you get to the level of care need you don't ever have there's a five-year look back and while I'm doing that let me run this out there's a five-year look back when you go for long-term care in the state of New Hampshire. And the federal government allows, and it used to be 10000 I think it's more now, $10,000 a year to be transferred without taxes as a gift. Mm -hmm. That does not apply in long-term care language. Um, gifts, monetary gifts that were performed within the last five years are determined oftentimes to be not allowable. And they have a formula for figuring out there's a penalty period where um, the person who might be eligible May 1st has to wait till the amount of time has gone by at the cost of what they're applying for to pay back that money as though they had it. So there's, it's, it's an eye of a needle. But the majority of people make it through. Uh, one last comment, if I may. Mm -hmm. Another option, of course, is to move into a retirement community where long-term care is taken care of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that costs something, too, of course. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of options. To and there's a lot of different levels of retirement community. That, yeah. um, and some of them contain all the levels in one community, so you never really have to leave to move into a, a greater level of care. Are you talking about something like Kendall? Yes. Is that what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm from the north. And what would that cost? I have no idea. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes? I hope I'm not the only one, but I didn't really understand exactly what you were saying about the assets. I, and I know the exemption on yes, you can give gifts much anyone, 10,000 or maybe up to 11 or 12,000 now. So you're saying that if you give away money over the last five years, which legally is fine. Legally is fine with the federal government. Right, so when you're looking at, let's say, a Medicare program. Medicaid. Medicaid program, Medicaid, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that would be, and that's determined by the states? Or, mm -hmm. But it's also, the five years is a federal thing or no? No, I believe that's a state. Okay, and so you have to have a certain level of assets. Mm-hmm, $2,500 or less in your name. And that, you mentioned that was checking savings. Is it also any investments you might have? Mm -hmm. any of that. And you can't transfer those or give those away within five years of needing to. Right, so what happens pay. is, just like if you were going to be in a, in a, what, I've forgotten what you called that. Kendall. 
retirement okay. community? Yeah, yes. a retirement community. You would be paying your way in a retirement community. So if you have assets above, what happens is people pay for their own care until they get to the level where they require help. If they are single, can't give their assets away. If they're married, and there are caps on how much money can be transferred, but the transfer between a husband and a wife for the purpose of helping someone become eligible is allowable. And they don't go after a family member that would have a lot of money and No, help. not yet. Okay. Can't by law. <laughs> um, but they do ask if there is a house that the house be available for a lien for the amount that's expended under long-term Medicaid but that lien is not forced until after the death of, let's say, the husband is the person requiring care and the wife is still living in the home mm -hmm. until after she passes. But then they'll go after her. Or if the house is sold. Well, when you think about it, there's no way that all of that could be paid for mm -hmm. unless we were giving 98% of our income to mm -hmm. state taxes. <laughs> so did that help with your asset question? Okay. You know what it sounds like? I'm just thinking like, if you have a lot of money, it's just like a microcosm of what, what's going on these days. If you have a lot of money, it's not probably going to be an issue for you. Because maybe you've got the long-term health insurance, or you go to a Kendall or Harvest Hill, or you're taken care of. If you're poor, you can get services. But if you're in the middle, like many of us, middle America, middle America get nailed. you're like it's it's the same like when we sent we sent our children to college, mm -hmm. the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. And it, it's just a microcosm, and it and it permeates. Everywhere, and it seems like it, it's the same thing in the last of your years. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really my question. I mean, it, the part B was it, is anyone looking at changing this so that, let's say, the middle class doesn't have to sort of make themselves destitute, mm. almost destitute, before any sort of long term care? Care. Yeah. Not to my knowledge, but you could start. You know. Seriously, it has to start with a thought. And here we are with a time bank and some help to change the way things are structured. It starts with us. Right, but you know, it's just it's for the, I mean, the time bank is one thing, but I'm also thinking about when my mother or me or anybody gets to the point where the time bank doesn't help. You, know, mm -hmm. you need to be in assisted yep. living or nursing. Yep. You don't have that luxury of relying on your first or second ring anymore. Right. You know, and then you've got to, you know, basically spend down yep. every asset. Yep. Oops. That's right. Before you end I often have people call, I, and I'll give you just a couple of little snippets. I'm inter I want Medicaid because I, I'm not old enough to have Medicare yet and I can't work and I need Medicaid. Or, or I am working but I can't afford insurance, I need Medicaid. So the Medicaid guideline is $591 a month in income. 
it's meant to help people who are very, very destitute. Right, and, right, right. I understand that. And the person on the other end of the line is going, well, I've paid my taxes. I should be able to get some benefit from those taxes. Hmm. You know, it, and that's where we're at. Second. Okay. Okay. First. Uh, so, I, and this is really out of ignorance, but for Medicare, um, are there Medicare services don't actually differ in terms of assisting with any uh, helping with any long-term care, um, whether it's nursing or um, assisted living or nursing home. No. Okay. Medicare does not pay for long-term care. Right. <coughs> short-term acute. I think I found out quite a bit when I looked into different things about the long-term care. And one thing was I looked at um, Social Security. And I went to the Social Security office in Littleton and filled out paperwork because I had to stop working. I was supposed to, my plan was to work until 66, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So they were very helpful. Mm -hmm. They are. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying boohoo is me because I didn't. I think I hear you saying I'm thankful it was there because I, I couldn't. Am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very thankful. But you have to, it takes time and you have to plan. And my husband is more of a planner than I am. <laughs> so he gave me the push. I love how couples compliment each other. <laughs> You've got a planner. <laughs> yes, um, and thankfully that is there. And Social Security disability is there for people who are younger, younger. And it helps immensely. So I'm sorry that you thought it was long-term care insurance, but I have written down here, I'm going to ask um, the aging center to look into finding someone. This woman who called me has a town in Vermont, and I can't think of the name of the town or the name of the organization, but they are trying to raise the issue and the planning within their town to support the people in their town aging and to have these little conferences and presentations and help people to be informed and and I thought that was cool. Back to the one. So it just the description does say that long-term care insurance will be discussed and it, just so you know because you may want to correct that. I don't think I ever saw the one. And so it doesn't indicate that primarily you'll be talking about New Hampshire resources which makes sense but it just talks about for you or your loved ones. My loved one is in New York, so it's certainly been helpful to me because some of the general ideas and issues are the same, mm -hmm. but I realize it's one specific. And New York's going to be different than New Hampshire or Vermont. Right. Right. Yeah. So anything further? No, I just like to say, I. the only thing that scares me about all this is that I don't have a relative that's or a friend that's here, mm -hmm. and I'm by myself mm -hmm. and my daughter. <laughs> um, and um, otherwise, I have I have. Love
because of possible appointments. And those people have become my friends, but you know, they're, they aren't the people that I would call. Um, so um, that part I need to work on, um, you know, because there isn't anybody. Mm -hmm. and that's the scariest part. Otherwise, everything else has been taken care of. Um, but it's just that when something does happen, mm -hmm. um, it's going to and take care of my dog. That's what I worry about. <laughs> so leave me your contact information because I do have information about agencies that do sign on to take care of your pets. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Am I next? You're next. Uh, um, for, for again, for people sort of middle class, not super rich, not going to be on Medicaid right away. Um, do you have any information about how assisted living facilities and you know how? What do you have to do to get into an assisted living facility? I've heard some people say, "Oh, you have to sign over all your money to them." I, I can't quite believe that. But um, and what the cost is, or some, I know it's it's a wide it, but it ballpark. certainly is. It's less than a nursing home and more expensive than staying at home and getting care in your home. But again, the and I in Vermont is a mystery to me. But I believe they have a levels plan. If you meet this criteria, you can do this. If you meet this criteria, you can do that. And it it goes up and down from there. Um, and in assisted living, anything I said would be a guess. I honestly don't know. I know that there are less than a nursing home and more than home and community-based care. And to get in, you need to meet physical criteria unless you can buy your way in. Well, doesn't everybody have to buy their way in? Well, everyone has to pay for the service. but. If you are wealthy enough to say, I'm going to pay full boat, you won't have to bill the insurance company. You don't have to worry about money. Then they'll take you? <laughs> well, I would, I've had people negotiate who might otherwise have to go on to um, long-term Medicaid. They've talked to their assisted living and said, you know, look, this is what I have and what I can do, and this is what you'll get and I don't know how much that is if I go on Medicaid. So let's talk about what's good for both of us. <laughs> it never hurts to talk to people. I didn't think assisted livings took Medicaid. Yes, they do. They do? Yeah. They've had to. And a good thing to do is, you know, you can call, if you have your area agency on aging or service link in your area in the resource um, data bank, they're going to be able to pull up the assisted livings in your area. Yeah. That'll give you some idea of who they are. And they can pull up ones that accept Medicaid separate from those that don't. Uh, I'm going to refer to a comment you made at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's useful or helpful for me at least, maybe others. Um, you made a comment about how most people like to live in their life at home, alone. Well, not necessarily alone, but in oh. their home. And um, we've been thinking about how we want to do that as well, what direction we want to go in. And we've been talking to a lot of people. Um, and I'm finding that that inclination 
that maybe we had as well, maybe isn't the right way to end your life, and a retirement community with the connection and the support and the activity mm -hmm. could be a better way to live. You know, we're, we're I, I just retired, so I'm just getting into these things uh, in planning the rest of our life, but um, I, I'm finding that maybe that, that prejudice towards ending your life in your home, which we may have had, isn't the right way to go. And I mentioned that in connection with long-term care planning, not mm -hmm. the whole, the, the right. whole picture of it. Right. But, uh, I, I don't know if you have any further comment or. It's always good to keep an open mind, and yeah. I have been told by people who have worked with people who are aging longer than I have, and have worked more closely with various age groups, that you'll make one decision when you're 50. Yeah. And when you're 80, that's not your decision now at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a work in progress, literally, yeah. all the way through. Yeah. So 10 years ago you thought, home, and now you're being open, thankfully, because you may actually have a happier ending right. by being open to maybe doing something else. Mm -hmm. um, I think it partly is a matter of getting older, but it's also as times change, because when Kindle first opened and I met some people who were there, it was, at least in this area, a very new concept. And the people I met who initially went there um, didn't like it so much because they had been living in their own home. And because it is expensive, most of the people who go there had had a, you know, probably owned a very beautiful private home on their own. Now, whenever I meet anybody at Kendall universally, they love it. They love the, the people there, the different activities, and they love the fact that if they need to go to um, something that's the equivalent of a nursing home, it's right there. And so they, their friends can just walk over and visit them. Or like if they're in the hospital, they might need to go to the nursing home part of Kendall for maybe just a week or two before yeah. they go back to their apartment. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just really been interesting over the years Watch um, change. to see, you know. So I mean, for people who can, it's obviously expensive. I don't know what it costs, but I know it's expensive. But for people who can afford it, I've heard um, that they're just thrilled. And I guess a lot of what they're thrilled about is that it's a place that does have the private apartments, the assisted living, but it also does have the nursing home part of it, mm -hmm. whether you need that for a few days or for the rest of your mm -hmm. life. And, and I think that brings a big security to a lot of people and also to their families. I know some people, um, who moved there a couple of years ago, but they they uh, they had their place there, but they still kept their other places, sort of their part time, Home you know, away because they, they were able to. They, but I, I think a lot of the people, if they move into that, in order to afford it, cannot afford to also keep another home. They have to sell their other home to, in order to afford to go there. But I think you're right about that. I picked up my local paper on the way down, and I was looking at the front page, and I actually thought about showing it to you to start, but now I'm really thinking about it. This is um a little celebration that was held at the Morrison Nursing Home in Lancaster. And I, you're welcome to come and look closer, but the smiles on these ladies' faces, they are definitely having a good time. <laughs> and someone else had their hand up. No? Yeah? Following up her comment, it was very well, very well explained. But uh, I've also found in looking at these retirement communities, uh, yeah, there's an upfront price, but there's a lot behind that. You need to understand the details. Some give money back to the family if you pass away. 
and those, those might tend to be the more expensive and ones. And those are the ones with the buy-ins, probably. Yeah, some don't, mm -hmm. and that you may pay less. So you have all these trade-offs. Yep. And it's another part of, I'm finding life gets more compli complicated as you get older, which is doesn't seem right. Isn't that a shock? Nobody yeah. tells us that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always thought that older people were just me at 25 with gray hair. <laughs> you live, you learn. So I hope you have gotten some information today that's been helpful to take away. Please feel free to Google service links on your internet and to call and ask questions. And I will put this forward to the Aging Center about long-term care. Thank you.